Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? And welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. I'd like to welcome the beautiful Brian K. Wright from Arizona. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, now, uh, Brian is a guest uh, that I have been recommended to by the beautiful Brian Burkhard. Hi, Brian. This one's for you, Brian. I have been encouraging my friend Brian Burkhardt from The Marketer's Mindset to write a book for a long, long time. Now, I believe part of your expertise is in book writing. It is. I've done three of my own books and I ghostwrite books for other people. And I also host a meetup group here in Arizona for authors. And so I started that a couple of months ago, I had my third meeting earlier this week with my group and it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a great journey. Yeah. And everybody, I always go straight to the top when I need my experts. Now, Brian, I've got to tell you that with my research that I've been carrying out tonight, you are the expert of all experts. You have a wonderful book out and it's a new book released this month, month, everyone, and it's called Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers. You also have a podcast, uh, Success Profiles Radio. Now, everyone, you've got to go and have a look at this thing because it has kept me awake for hours and hours, which is why I'm tongue-tied now. And oh, you wow. published, uh, what do you do? You publish Success Profiles magazine. Yes, it's a spinoff of my radio brand. When I started my radio show back in January of 2012, I realized after a while I had so much content that I could repurpose. And I think this is really important. If you are creating content, repurpose it in as many ways as possible. Some people will listen to you do a radio show or podcast. Some people will read your book. Some people will read your magazine. Some people will meet you in person, but they won't find you everywhere unless they're a super fan and they're stalking you, which is fine. I'm fine with that. Uh, but you have to reach people where they are. Some people prefer to read. Some people prefer to listen. And so repurpose your content uh, to appeal to as many of the senses as possible so that people have a greater opportunity to find you. Yeah, now Brian is an expert at this, everybody. Uh, I'll confess, everyone, it's four o'clock in the morning here. And I started uh, researching Brian's work at midnight and I have kept going for hours and hours. I have the most fascinating man with me here today, everybody. It's really exciting. Brian, your new book. Let's start there uh, and then we'll work backwards on how to write one. Uh, The focus this week, everyone, is on nonfiction. Uh, For those of you who haven't explored the opportunities with nonfiction, they are absolutely amazing to build your brand, uh, share your expertise. And Brian's done this with his latest book. Brian, you have talked to some of the most amazing people. I really have. uh... Some of the greatest guests on my show, I talked about repurposing content a while ago. Uh, I had this idea to present uh, a compilation book to a publisher. 
And I found them on Facebook, interestingly enough, Morgan James Publishing. And I had this idea for the book where I would compile some of my most favorite interviews from some of my most well-known guests into a book. And they loved the idea. Now, they've done compilation books before. Some of them aren't very good because they're not edited very well. But they said that I did a really great job of editing my book. Now, here's the other thing. Done is better than perfect. It took me a while to put this together because there were days I just didn't feel like working on it. I just, you know, I, I have to feel properly inspired to keep going. And I went for weeks without being properly inspired. I just didn't want to finish. But then I realized it was sitting out there and I, I had to get it done. I just finally decided I had to get it done. But I talked to some really amazing people, Darren Hardy, who uh, uh, published Success Magazine for many years, Jack Canfield, who co-wrote all the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Those books collectively have sold over 600 million copies, I believe, with various titles. It's a huge series. He also wrote The Success Principles, Laura Langmeyer, The Millionaire Maker, um, Tom Ziegler, son of the legendary Zig Ziegler. I had 11 really amazing interviews in that book. And you can find it on Amazon. You can find it in Barnes and Noble. You can find it everywhere. And it was really a joy to, to put this together. And so if you are not sure what content you can create, you can co-create that content with other people via a podcast or via interviews. Uh, if you have expertise in one particular topic, which a lot of us do, and you know, experts who are in your field, but might be able to lend an interesting perspective that maybe you don't have, uh, that's a great way to create content, you know, through a compilation book or even doing it through a, a virtual seminar, which I'm going to be doing a virtual seminar here toward the end of November. Um, I've got the domain authorpreneurlive.com. My coach and I are putting this together. He is a website designer and that's going to be a virtual event, which will be free to attend. And that's going to lead to a live event in the spring. Also authorpreneur dot com the whole idea that you should make your book into a business and it should be part of what you're doing now a lot of people when they think about writing a book they think of selling millions of copies and it's a really nice idea unless you're really famous or well known that may or may not happen it's what you can do with the book once it's done that can be the gold mine for you whether it's speaking on stages whether it's having a coaching program whether it's staging a live event whether it's being invited to do shows like your fine show here, it will present opportunities which you can then spin into income and other revenue sources. So you can sell your book and make a lot of money. I do bookstore signings here in town. In fact, I've done four of them and I've had a really great time and I've learned a lot. I've got two more scheduled for the near future, but look beyond just selling your book because there are a lot of opportunities that go beyond the book. But the book is the springboard. And I tell this to my clients all the time. The book is the springboard by which you can do everything. For me, my radio show was the springboard. That created a lot of opportunities. And then the book spun from that, and the magazine spun from that, and so on and so forth. So start somewhere. Master something. And I know I'm going on and on here, but master something, and then figure out how to spin it off. I think a lot of people make the mistake of trying to start a bunch of things at once, and you don't end up doing any of them very well. So master something and then spider web it out from there. I'm happy for you to go on and on, Brian, because you, A, you speak beautifully, I mean, clearly. But Thank you. 
you're you're fascinating in what you say and I've been making notes here and I'm not even sure where to begin unpacking what you're talking about. Everyone, we need to attend this authorpreneurlive.com. I'll follow up on that, Brian, and I'll make sure that I let uh, my guys know that it's happening. I hang around yeah. a little bit on LinkedIn now, everyone, and I think yeah. everyone there would love to know what you're doing with your entrepreneurlive.com because people need to have a book to show their expertise, yeah. don't they? As of this particular moment, the site's not live yet. I'm having a meeting with my coach, who is also my web designer, tomorrow. But I don't know when this is going to air. But the event, the virtual event is going to be Wednesday, Thursday, November 28th and 29th, which might be the next day in Australia. But um, look for it, authorpreneur.com, authorpreneurlive.com. So look for that in the coming weeks. And um, I'll be posting about it on Facebook. And I know that you and I connected on LinkedIn today. I saw the, the request and so I accepted it. Yeah, uh, we, we on LinkedIn uh, are starting out, I think, in this journey or some of us that in the group that in the little pod that I'm in. And we did a little course here in Australia with Andrew, oh, sorry, Adam Houlihan and it's LinkedIn Influencers. So there's mm. a whole range of business people uh, starting to test the grounds, a lot of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, trying to, uh, I guess, get a start. Now, I know you work a lot with entrepreneurs and young entrepreneurs coming through. And mm. a book is key, isn't it? Yeah, it really is because it's a credibility piece. I think a lot of people just use the book as a credibility piece. If there are, let's just say hypothetically, 10 people in your industry and somebody is trying to decide who to work with, if you've got a book and the other nine don't, guess who automatically has the, the first opportunity, the person with the book, because you, you must be the expert. You have to be somehow. People will make that assumption. And so they'll check out your book and people, you know, they're savvy these days. They like to do their research and figure out who people are and is it going to be a fit? Is it aligned? But if someone has a chance to see your, your book, it can be really a nuclear business card. And books don't have to be 200 pages. I think sometimes my clients get real stuck on the idea that their books have to be long. Not really. They don't. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, 20 years ago, 114 pages. One of the most influential books in the last 20 plus years. So it doesn't have to be very long. My first two books were under 100 pages. My current book is 270. So write until you think you've said everything you want to say. And sometimes when I work with my ghostwriting clients, they get so convoluted. They, they have so many great ideas. And I had one client who I know wants to write multiple books. I told him one day, I said, I think you're trying to write all four of your books at once. And that made him stop. And he says, I think you're right. And so I said, do this. Have four separate notepads. Every time you have an idea, and put the title of all four of your books on the top of each notepad page. Every time you get a great idea, figure out which book that idea actually belongs in so that you don't confuse yourself on your current project. And by the time you're done with the first one, if you've got a couple pages of ideas for your next book already outlined, you're miles ahead. Now you don't have to start from zero anymore. So cart compartmentalize your ideas and write them down, but put them in a bucket and, and go from there. So at least you don't forget what your idea was, which is really important. And secondly, you know where the idea is that you don't have to think so hard about it the next time. So if you, if you've got all these ideas, ask yourself, does this idea belong in my current book or is this another book somewhere later? Because that's a very real possibility. 
Yeah, and everyone, we did a series recently here on Rider on the Road with Paul Brody, and he helped us all publish our books and he took us through the process. And the very first thing he said is exactly what you've been saying there, Brian, is uh, an idea in a book, people want to devour it nowadays in a single sitting. They don't want you know, the big tomb. So they're very, very happy with um, 20,000 words, you know, 30,000 max, otherwise you're kicking into books number two, three and four. And a really Mm -hmm. good example of this, everyone in our indie author world is Adam Croft. Now he is um, worldwide uh, known as one of the biggest indie uh, fiction writers and we'll talk about fiction in a minute because I know you're avoiding that one. Uh, But he wrote How to Be an Indie Author and it was really short. It I read it in an hour. And at first I thought, oh, that wasn't meant to happen, but an hour, it, people want it. Sure. And here's the thing. People's attention spans are a lot shorter now than they used to be. And so couple that with the idea that a lot of people don't read a book after school, after high school, or whatever level of schooling that you finished, because they had to do a lot of reading. And so now it's not fun, but if someone is reading a 64 page book and they can get it done in an hour, they feel like they accomplished something. I read a book. Yay. Yeah. Let's do this again. And so, yeah, I tell people all the time, it's like the bigger books aren't necessarily better books. Sometimes, like I said before, the most effective books are the shorter ones and you want to write something that people will read and people don't want to necessarily go on and on and on with your book. Just get in, get out, be done. Say what you need to say and be done. That's it. Yeah, and that's and that's very much so in the business world because a lot of these people, they're not expert writers. They're expert in health and fitness or they're experts in whatever field they are. They want to get in and get out and get done as well, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. People are busy. People are very busy. And, I mean, even when I do Facebook Lives, I keep them to – four to six minutes. I don't go on and on for half an hour about nothing. God bless everyone who does Facebook lives. A lot of them are great. Uh, But if I'm really busy and I don't have any idea how long your live is, I may not stay for the whole thing. I might, if I really love you, I'll stay. Uh, But I want to respect my listener's time, my reader's time. I say my piece, I'm done. And people know that I will provide whatever value I can in a short amount of time, make it munchable, if you will, actionable, and then let's move on with our day. And I'll come back again later and do this again. Yeah. And that brings us to the format of your book. Uh, It's absolutely beautiful. Everyone, this is an idea I've had. And um, again, Brian says done is better than perfect. I'm always talking about it, but I never quite get around to doing it. I've got 135 podcasts under my belt now, and I've kept every transcript with the idea of turning them into books. Still not mm-hmm. done. This thing of yours is a bunch of podcast transcripts turned yes. into something that is very, very readable, uh, even yeah. if you just want to choose one at a time. Yeah. And I have an idea for you um, because my second book was a much shorter version of this book. I had three shows in a row where my, my guests were expert in sales and it just jumped out at me, Jeffrey Gittimer, Eric Lofholm, Scott Lopez. And I thought these three interviews might make a really short book, a really good short book. And that was 64 pages. So what I would say for you or anyone else out there doing a podcast, if you've got several shows on a common theme, that might be a candidate for a really good short book. My 
podcast, my radio show is, is about success, celebrating other people's success. And so I get to explore different topics. I interviewed Marco Robinson from the UK recently, where he gave away a flat on television on Channel 4. I interviewed yesterday a, a copywriting expert. But so those are completely different. I've interviewed relationship experts, fitness experts, you know, like you said. But if I've got people who have expertise in a very similar topic, grouping those together in a short compilation book might be a really good idea. Yeah, and people want it. People want it, everybody. I know with the podcast, people go to my website. They're looking for something to buy. And, of course, there's nothing there. But there's going to be one day going to. Uh, yeah. And it's really, really interesting. People, you're not pushing and selling your ideas at people. People actually want the content, don't they? People want mm-hmm. to be successful. And one of your, I guess, your mission values, isn't it, is to help people be the best they can be because you feel that they're, they're living beneath their potential, which I found was a very interesting um, expression. Yeah, I, I think a, a lot of people settle for what they think they can get in life. And I've, I've been there. I've been there and I've done that. And over the last maybe couple of years, especially the last 12 months, especially, uh, I've reached that epiphany that I just need to say yes to myself and do what I'm meant to do in life. Uh, if you get good at something that you don't enjoy doing, the world will keep asking you to do that thing and you'll be miserable. Boy, is there a method in that, everybody? Did I just pick up another teaching contract? Why am I doing this to myself? Now, you were an educator or you began teaching mm-hmm. in composition. Now, I haven't even heard that expression in many, many years. We call them essays nowadays, English composition. Uh, and yeah. you've taken that expertise as an educator and you have moved into the corporate world and now you're an expert in, in leadership, motivation and inspiration. Ten minutes with you, you have me inspired. Do okay. you find that people are, uh, I guess, with your, with your magazine, your uh, success profiles, where did that come about? How do we find it? And is it print or is it merely digital, which is what we want nowadays? It is primarily digital. I do print out a few copies to give away at networking events or what I do with my meetup groups when I meet them. I give every new person a, a, print, a printed copy so that they can see it. But successprofilesmagazine.com is where people can go. And if they want to subscribe, it is a paid subscription, but uh, it's absolutely worth it. I put out a uh, a magazine issue every single month and usually the person on the cover is someone I've already interviewed on my show and I just curate some of that interview and make that the feature article and I put them on the cover and they usually love it because when I can tell them no extra work is required if you just give me a short bio and your best picture they're happy to accommodate yeah so and how cool is that everybody that gets that gives your guests the ultimate exposure and it sets mm-hmm. them up as an expert before they even write their book because they are on the cover of a magazine. Yeah. Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank was my first uh, magazine cover back in December last year. And when I approached him, I said, first of all, thank you for being on my show a few months ago. Some new things are going on. I'm putting together a magazine. I want you to be my first feature. And I just, like I explained, uh, no extra work is required of you. I'll just curate material that we've already done and I don't need to interview you again. If I can just get your best picture, uh, we can go. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. He, inter- he, he answered me in less than an hour and a half and said, yeah, that sounds absolutely great. And I did print some copies because I met him in person at an event that he was speaking at and he recognized me immediately. 
and I gave him the magazine. And it was so cool because he said, part of my presentation is about digital marketing. Is it okay? Is this primarily digital and you just print a few for events like this? I said, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm doing. He says, can I hold this up and, and talk about your magazine during my presentation? Yes. <laughs> Am I going to say no to that? And the photographer at the event had a, re a really wise moment because a few weeks after the event, I saw a picture of him approaching me and shaking my hand as he was moving, as he right before he spoke. And he shook my hand, said, thank you, Brian. I said, you're welcome. Then he started speaking. Somebody caught that moment on camera. And that's the cover photo on my Facebook profile now. But the, the idea of where the magazine came from, I had so much content to repurpose. And I thought, what a shame it is that I haven't repurposed this in any way. So I bought the domain for successprofilesmagazine.com. And last year in September, I was renewing that domain for the third year. And I realized I hadn't done anything with it yet. And I felt really foolish. I said, okay, Brian, go, just go, just do it. And so I thought, who can be my first cover? And I thought Kevin Harrington would be perfect, a perfect launch candidate. And so he was very happy with it. Sharon Lecter has been on my cover, James Malinchak from Secret Millionaire, um, Marshall Silver, world-class hypnotist has been on my cover, Bill Walsh, um, expert business generator, Onyx Silver, or not Onyx Singal, excuse me, uh, just wrote a book called Escape. He's a copywriting expert. And I recently, I'm actually putting together a special edition for real estate. And so I'm gonna be using that as a local marketing tool for real estate professionals in their local markets and helping people get the word out about them in their local markets so that they can expand their base where they already are. So I stay busy. I love it. I'm happy with my life. I couldn't be happier. Now, what a cool idea is that, everybody? Now, here is a man clearly clearly at the top of your field and clearly uh, much sought after, but you, what you've done is you've interviewed all the top people in the world and you've given them exactly what they want and you've given the people who want to know about them exactly what they want and you are a man sitting in a room like you haven't even had to leave that room to do that and this is that idea everyone again uh, i guess the power of words the power of getting things done but also you are an expert in interviewing and repurposing now too aren't you uh did you imagine that was the journey you were going to take when you started? I didn't envision the magazine when I started. I wanted to do a compilation book like this at some point. I thought that would be really cool if I interviewed a lot of top flight people, but it took me a while to build up to that list of people. I interviewed a number of local people first, although I will say my very first guest was Hal Elrod. He's the creator of the Miracle Morning Movement. He is absolutely amazing. Uh, and I'm very grateful that he was first. In fact, I interviewed him a few months ago for the third time. I've had some people repeat on my show for a second, third, and even a fourth time. The really good ones get to come back. But it's cool. I've really enjoyed this journey. And some of it I envisioned and a lot of it I didn't because you don't know where the branch of the tree will grow once you've planted the seed. Yeah, and that takes us right back to the beginning, which is where we continue to start for, for some of us here who are listening today. One of the biggest things I always hear is, oh, that all sounds really good, but I haven't got the time. Yeah, 
And I tell my ghostwriting clients, one reason why you should hire me is if you don't have time, I will make time to do it for you because they're busy running their business. Maybe writing is not their core area of genius. However, if you are looking to write a book for yourself and you want to, but you haven't found the time, you just need to make the time. Think about this. If you have not written your book, who is not getting to hear your message? And what is it costing them to not hear your message? See, you got to take yourself out of your own head. There are people out there who need what you know. And we're all an expert in something. And we think, oh, everyone knows this. No, not everyone knows what you know. Not everyone knows what you know. And the world needs your message. I really firmly believe that. So carve out some time, even if it's 20 minutes a day, carve out some time to write, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's the last thing you do, but make some time. You can make some time. If you really, really want to do this, you'll make some time. And sometimes I just wasn't inspired. But uh, after a while, when I really had my strong why, with my first book, my student leadership book, my strong why was that I was going to an event several months ahead of, of the date that I was currently at. And one of my friends who was a Marine made me promise that I would have a book in hand by the time I saw him at that event. I didn't want to disappoint a Marine. So that was my big, strong why. And I got it done. Were there mistakes? Yes, there are mistakes in that book. Will I fix it? Who knows? I could. I could revisit this and update the examples and release another edition of that. That is somewhere down the line. That first book was almost 10 years ago. It's not at the top of my list of things to do, though. But I can. If I run out of things to do, run out of ideas, I can go back and revisit that book and update it. It's all good. You're reminding me of a little story, everyone. Uh, Tim Grahl has just put out uh, his newest book and his attitude was he needed to write his book and he kept procrastinating. And his motivation was that he would pay a man he hated a certain amount of money if he didn't write the book. And it was such a motivator for him. He's written this amazing book and it's very raw and it's very personal and it's, it's an amazing book. But whatever motivates us to get things done, uh, you have to use it, don't you? Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. You have to find your motivation. You have to find your very strong why. And that will will take you to the top. If you have a burning desire and a really strong purpose, as, as Napoleon Hill says in Think and Grow Rich, you have a great starting place. Yeah, and that's that's what we all need. Uh, now you say in your you say in uh, some of the stuff that I was reading that you don't do fiction. Uh, yet I noticed one of your skills is creativity, and I find that really interesting because I think uh, you need creativity as much in your nonfiction as you do in your fiction, don't you? Yeah, you really do. Because if I'm ghostwriting, for example, and I'm recording our sessions. Just the way conversations go, they're not a straight line. People will backtrack, they'll fast forward, and then they forget to come back to where you were. And you have to make it all flow as if it does happen in a straight line, even if it doesn't. So sometimes you have to get really creative. Sometimes you have to spot the holes in the story and ask, wait a minute, tell me more about this. And so you just have to have an eye for that. Now, I did take a creative writing class in college because I did minor in English and majored in communication studies. But I took creative writing. My ideas were way too big for short stories. I found myself after getting to page 15 or 20 that I was just getting started. And so I had to wrap it up abruptly and I would get a lower grade on my paper because you ended your paper so abruptly. I'm like, I know. 
this story wanted to be a novel and I didn't have time and wanted my paper. Yeah. Um, I, I think, find that I think, writing, yeah, sorry. writing dialogue is hard. That's one reason why I don't like writing fiction because writing realistic dialogue is hard. Creating a universe that is different. I mean, I, I couldn't write science fiction. Uh, it, it's just a different type of writing. I, and I respect and love people who are able to do that and pull it off and make it realistic. I prefer to stick with stuff that I know and I love personal development and business. So I, I stay in that pasture and I roam very freely within it. And it brings, we keep coming back to this book, everybody. If you haven't got a copy of uh, Brian's new book, we'll, we'll let you know where you can get it at the end. But it reads very, very easily. Uh, there it is. It's being held up now. Uh, success profi Profiles for High Achievers. I'm just going to take a little shot of that, everybody, because it's so cute. Yep. Um, yep. Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers. Uh, let, me, and, let me know when you're done. <laughs> we're, we're taking photos here. We're mucking around and we shouldn't be. I apologise, everybody. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> and the reason <laughs> on my mind is because it's just kept me up for three hours. But you have oh, someone in there and, look, every person that you mentioned is interesting. But I was particularly enamoured with Debbie Allen. She's a yeah. lifelong entrepreneur and she's written a book, uh, I think there were six bestsellers or something, and there could even be more now, The Highly Paid Expert. And this comes yeah. to the uh, crux, everybody, of why we should be not taking our expertise for granted. Yeah, exactly. You know, somebody needs to hear what you know. And in her book, The Highly Paid Expert, she talks about the different ways that you can leverage what you know into something that can be monetizable. And I mentioned some of those before, hosting a live event, doing webinars, uh, coaching programs, mastermind programs. And, and she talks about sales funnels, you know, offering a free thing first. And then those who want the free thing, you can make an offer for an inexpensive thing. And those who take that might be interested in a more expensive thing if they are really into what you're doing and they believe in you. And so some people, some people will buy everything you do. Some people will never buy from you. So don't get caught up if someone doesn't buy from you because that person just may not be your person. That may not be your people. You want to reach who you want to reach. Don't chase people who will never support you. Don't chase people who will never believe in your mission. That, that's, that person's not meant for you. Yeah, and I've had a rule, and I don't know how this goes down, but as soon as you start doing the chasing, you're on the begging end. So I sit very comfortably here and I wait for people to come to me and mm -hmm. greet them with open arms and give them everything that I've got. Uh, and I think that there's something in that, isn't there, that trust in yourself, have that faith in yourself, that mm -hmm. you have something to give and you have something to offer and people will yeah. find you. Yeah. I tell a good friend of mine all the time, you are the catch. You are the catch. So act like it. Not in a condescending way, not in a conceited way, but you have something to offer the world and there are people in the world who need what you have. So act like the expert and, and put yourself out there and, and don't be people over the head with your offer. Uh, just say, I have this available. If you want to learn more, reach out to me. Yeah. And when I do my Facebook lives, for example, about aspects of book writing, I invite people to re reach out to me if they want to know more. Yeah. And I think that's really important. You have, you're on YouTube, you're on Facebook, mm -hmm. you're on LinkedIn, 
You are everywhere you need to be, but in a very unassuming manner, aren't you? Yes, thank you for that. Uh, that's the goal. Uh, I need to. I don't use YouTube as much as I perhaps should because I post all my videos on Facebook. But maybe I should port some of those to YouTube uh, because I do have some subscribers there too. But uh, I've been building my my Twitter following and my Facebook following and my LinkedIn following. So it's it keeps me busy and i've got a lot of projects in fact i'm doing the second round of edits on the real estate magazine and i hope that's going to be final in the next week or so and i'm excited then i'll get ready to work on the november issue already so it keeps going i have this wonderful friend uh in oz and i met him on linkedin his name is jeff mcdonald and he has this book that's just come out called done and he found himself in a situation where he had, I think it was something like 27 projects on the go, but he wasn't finishing anything. He's written mm. a book series, everyone called Rapper, and he takes all great business books and he condenses them down into a 30-page, easy, easy, easily digested, um, I guess, summary. And then if you like the book, you go off and read it. And they've been very successful for his networking and coaching programs. Uh, but I found myself in the situation, and I find myself now, as everybody knows, I have all these projects on the go and I don't finish any of them. And that's a form of procrastination, I know. It's interesting that someone of your calibre has a coach. Now, you've mentioned that several times uh, here mm -hmm. this morning. Uh, we all need coaches, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. They say our blind spots. And my coach is an internet marketing expert. And so he designed my website and he's helping me put together funnels. He's helping me put together authorpreneurlive.com. And so you hire people who are better at something than you are. I don't have a skill set in building a funnel. I all that technical stuff just confuses me and makes me want to scream. So I, I don't do it. I, I pay someone to do that for me and we meet every week. In fact, we're meeting tomorrow. Uh, to go over aspects of this project and he's helping me build my business and he's really fantastic but source out what you don't know source out what you need help with because you don't know everything you, you you need to stay in your lane you need to focus on your core area of genius and source out the stuff that you can't do or don't know how or really don't want to spend time doing it's very much like deciding should i clean my house or not well obviously having a clean house is important but the real question is do i do it or do i, do I pay someone else to do it you know, how valuable is your time? If you value your time at $200 an hour and you can hire two people to come in for a couple hours and clean your house for 150, the question you need to ask yourself is, can you clean your house better than they can in less than an hour? The answer is no. So you pay them to do it. And now you can focus that hour on your core area of genius. Yeah. Some of us had children for that, for that, um, Brian. Um, Paying them an allowance. That's, that's <laughs> even cheaper yet. Just make sure that, that that requires a lot more supervision, but it builds good habits too. Yeah. I cleaned house when I was growing up. I helped clean house. Yeah. Yeah. It's child labor um, and we get away with it. Uh, yeah. It's interesting that you talk about, you know, authorpreneurlive.com. Um, there are a lot of online summits now, everyone. And we've just come off an indie publishing one that went for two days and it was just amazing with the likes of Joanna Penn. Uh, so much to learn. And at the end of what you do, you can package that up and have another product to sell, can't you? Because I notice all those interviews are now available. Uh, for, for those of us who didn't have time to watch everything, we can buy that later. So it's almost information overload, isn't it? 
It can be uh, because this is going to be a two-day event and people, I don't expect people to stick around for all 12 hours. Some people might be registering to hear their one favorite person, but the recordings will be available afterwards for, for a small fee. And so people who missed part of it or all of it have the opportunity to uh, take part in that in that conversation with us and, and listen. So yeah, it's, it's really great. Information is everywhere. It's just a matter of deciding what is important to you. There is information overload, and I think it's very easy to be distracted by how much information is out there. That's why you need to really, really know what your mission is and what your zone of genius is so that you can pay attention to those things that can help you accelerate in your life and in your business and disregard the rest or at least minimize your exposure to the rest. Because if you're trying to build a world-class business, you have to focus on the things that can help you the most and not be distracted by what other people want you to pay attention to. Um, you, you are running your business. This is your agenda. This is your life. So you do you and don't be encumbered or enslaved to what other people think you should be paying attention to instead. Yeah. Now, how cool is this, everyone? A zone of genius. We, and a lot of us are women here on this, uh, I guess, who listen to this one, Brian, and we don't like to, I guess, tout our stuff and being able to admit that we're actually good at things can be quite difficult. I'm, I'm assuming that when you talk to all these very, very successful people at the top of their games, they've all had their doubts and they've all overcome them, haven't they? Mm-hmm. They have. In fact, I still sometimes go through that. But I think women in particular are socialized to submit and subvert and be the background player. And really, to some extent, there's not a lot wrong with it because there's a place and time for it. But you do need to own your power and be who you are and share your unique message with the world. And that's that's totally fine. And, and in fact, I, I think it's great when women can play at the top of their game. They're, we need more of that. Uh, I, I, I think I interview more men than women because I find more men. It's easier to find men playing at the top of their game. That doesn't mean that there aren't women out there. I've interviewed women too, but uh, it's, it's fascinating. You know, not sure really where I want to go with that, but it is okay for you to speak up and be who you are and share your message with the world. We need that. Yeah, and the reason I brought it up, everyone, and we're, we're winding up now, but the reason I brought that up is because even on my own podcast, 135 people, the writers that I interview are mostly women and the mm. business experts at the top of their field are mostly male. I think that's accurate. Uh, yeah. A lot of the people that I interview are business experts and personal development experts. In fact, I am interviewing this coming week, Dina Dwyer Owens, who was on the show Undercover Boss one week. She's amazing, and I cannot wait to interview her on Monday. It's going to be a fascinating show. It's going to be really fun. This is is the secret of podcasting, everybody. You get to speak to whoever you want, whenever you want, about the most interesting things. Hello, Brian. It's great to have you here. Uh, But, yeah, the list of people in this book is amazing. One one person in the book is Laurel Longmire, and she wrote The Millionaire Maker. Now, Mm -hmm. there's a woman who's clearly at the top of the game if she's making me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and they're happy to share their stories. They're very generous with their time, aren't they? Yeah. Absolutely, because you, you need to be very generous with your time and, and be generous with some of your free content because people who don't know who you are, they want to sample you first. I've heard her speak a number of times. She is a powerhouse. She, she stands in her power. 
she's very good at what she does and she knows that her conversation around money is very different than what you might see on television on CNBC or Susie Orman or Dave Ramsey or David Bach. The, Laura Lamar's conversation about money is a lot different. She said, you cannot simultaneously listen to me and them because you will, your head will explode. It's not the same conversation, but she's really, really awesome. And uh, one thing I asked her uh, during the show was when is it most appropriate to start talking to children about money? Because some families are pretty secretive about that. They don't tell their children a lot of stuff. And she says, as soon as possible, she set up her two children to be millionaires before they were adults. And it's, and she teaches them about money and where to invest and how to invest. And it's, it's fantastic. That's not a conversation that a lot of households had. I didn't have that conversation about money when I was living at home. You know, my parents did well and, and I, I did okay. I raised cattle. I was in 4-H and that was my business. I ran a little business on the farm, raising cattle and selling them after the fair and whatnot. And it paid for part of my college. So that was awesome. Uh, but she takes it to a whole new level. She's really, really fantastic. Yeah. And it's cool, everybody. I gave both my daughters bank accounts and ownership of their money when they were sort of six and eight. And it was really fantastic when they said, I want, I want, I want. I said, okay, there's your money. If you want it, mm-hmm. go buy it. And it's amazing how the want disappears <laughs> when mm-hmm. they've got to use their own money. It's true. It makes them value uh, value what they want most. And that's one of the messages that you've given us here straight away, isn't it? Uh, own yeah. why, um, know your purpose and move forward with that. Thank you, Brian, for being with us today. Uh, the overall arching message, everyone, is own your awesome, which I just love that expression, own your awesome. The book is is coming out. Oh, sorry, the book is already out. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. put that in the show notes. There'll certainly be the picture that we took uh, here today to, to show everybody. But I can thoroughly recommend it. I enjoyed it. I keep books like yours, Brian, beside my desk because I love my fiction and I love writing my fiction. But these books that you write and you guys write, they are inspirational, aren't they? Yeah, it really is. I learn something new every time I talk to somebody and I could listen to the same interviews over and over again and read those interviews over and over again and pick up something new every time because I'm in a different space in my life and in my career and in my journey. And so something that maybe didn't jump out at me the first time might jump out at me next time. And I think, wow, why didn't I catch that? It's like watching a really great movie. You watch it a second time. You think, I don't remember seeing that the first time. Yeah, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, everybody. And it's something my friend Brian Burkhardt told me when I was getting ready to interview you. You are an 80s fan and you love all the old movies and things. When I was reading through your profile, I went back a few more years than that and I found uh, that you love Lost in Space. Oh, my goodness. I watched that show growing up. You watch it now, it didn't age very well. It really didn't. But the robot was funny. Dr. Smith was way over the top. But it was it my like, favorite. Yeah, it was yeah, my favorite. I think, I think Will Robinson was the center of gravity in that show, for real. Uh, he had a real childlike wisdom. He, had a, uh, he was wise beyond his years. And I, I did love that show. The robot was funny. I, I loved it. I just loved following that journey. And I didn't discover Star Trek until much later. Of course, in my little small town, we saw Lost in Space reruns, but Star Trek wasn't available. And I didn't really start watching Star Trek very much until I got to college. And that was a nightly ritual at 9 p.m. every night in the dorms. We would watch Star Trek reruns. Yeah. But yeah, I, I- 
Old old shows are priceless. My kids grew up with Danger, Danger, Will Robinson. And I yeah. remember the girls at my playgroup because I was a older than all of them and they'd look at me like I was some kind of weirdo and I'd say, Haven't, huh? don't you know this? Um, but yeah. I hadn't even heard of it. All right, yeah. uh, final words of wisdom from Brian K. Wright. Don't you dare play small. The world needs who you are. Cool. How is that? Don't play small, everybody. Uh, that's it from Rider on the Road for another week. Thank you.